Welcome to Let's Get Unraveled, a place where artists from all walks of life come to share their unabridged stories and speak openly and candidly about their creative journeys. We're so happy you're here. Hey everybody, I'm Co Hodges. I'm one of the co-founders and lead instructors at Unraveled Academy. And today I have the amazing Trisha Victoria here with us. She is a lead instructor at Unraveled, an amazing artist, our preset partner, and a dear friend of ours. So thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so psyched to be doing this with you. This is going to be so good. So... I know you and I kind of chit-chatted about what we wanted to really touch on, and I think this topic is, oh, it's just such a, well, it's its not only a hot topic currently because people are coming out and saying this is a problem that needs to be addressed, but this has affected both of us personally. So um, mm-hmm. we're going to talk today about burnout. And Trisha, can you tell everybody your personal experience with this? Okay, so... I've been in this industry now 11 years, going on 11 years, and I think burnout is something I've experienced probably at least once a year minimum since I began my career, but I think that the older I get into my career, um, the more prevalent burnout feels, and there is a larger drive for me to figure out how to stop the burnout, Mm -hmm. and I think that, you know, it's really, it fuels what work I'm doing or what work I'm not doing. Um, and I think that this is a really common thread in, in our industry as artists, um, regardless if you're a photographer or if you're a, a writer or a painter or whatever it is you're doing artistically. I think burnout is such a huge thing that we do because we work ourselves a little bit too hard absolutely. in our in our art. So. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I, I know that I've experienced it within the creative community and then um, in another field where I worked as a nurse and it was mm-hmm. such a different concept in that regard because the burnout I experienced in like, I mean, it wasn't a nine to five, I'll just call it my nine to five where I had a boss and I could pass the buck and all of those things. It was the yeah. the weight of the boss looking down at you needing X, Y, and Z um, wow. that created burnout and be like, oh my God, how many more things can they ask of us? Uh, every every yeah. shift is like, okay, we're doing this, this, and this now. And PS, you guys suck at X, Y, and Z. So <laughs> please be better because we don't care about you. We just want our patients to be satisfied so we can get more money. And that was the burnout I experienced there where to the point I was like, walk out of a shift and go, I hate my job. Yeah. And then creatively, you know, we are the bosses. We, we, and then we burn ourselves out with this, this, this huge amount of pressure and the stress that comes from running a business and, and then stress to be creative. (laughs) For sure. And I think that is part of it, right? I mean, you look at the world of social media Mm. in general. So Lady Gaga recently said that social media was toilet of um, the internet, I think she said. Is a <laughs> I love her so much. Yeah, I do too, but I felt like I was like a little upset that she said that. I yeah. was like, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not always great. <laughs> well, okay, so but here's a great example, truly, and because we're both moms, you'll appreciate this. I don't know if your son has seen Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet yet. Yes, he has. Okay, so the part on there where he's looking at the comments and he's thinking, oh, social media is so great. This is fantastic. And then he starts looking at the comments about him and it's all nasty stuff and he starts like dying inside. And I thought that that was such a great just teaching moment for our kids coming up and, and she's saying like, oh, don't read the comments. <laughs> like those people are just, they're, they're behind a keyboard. Like they're just saying whatever they want. There's not a, they're not connecting with you on a human level. Like this is what it's like. 
And I think that that's so interesting that I was like, oh my gosh, it was so deep for Wreck-It Ralph, you know, but it's so true. I'm glad that they touched on it. Like I think social media has uh, a lot of, it takes a huge part in the burnout. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think, you know, there's merit in social media. Like I couldn't run the business I run without it. And I think, so I was like a little bit like, uh, I wouldn't call it the toilet. Right. But, you know, it definitely has its downfalls as right. much as it has. It's, you know, there's a reason that it's still going. If it were so awful, nobody would continue to use it. Oh, I've, I've experienced some of the most amazing things and met the most amazing people that yeah. are now huge parts of my life because of social media that I wouldn't have otherwise. I recognize the good and the bad, you know, obviously. Yeah. Everybody's story is so different and we're honoring, but I would have to say my experience has been more, much more positive than negative for sure. Yeah, and I agree. And I think there's like a, there's a point in finding the balance, but Mm -hmm. you know, I definitely like there's a balance in using social media with your business and and then trying to find a way to not allow it to burn you out Right. Um, because it's so easy. Even you can, you can have, I think you can seriously feel burnout when you're not seeing the fruit of your work. Yeah. You know, if you're working hard and you're not seeing the results that you're looking for, it can make you feel like, well, what's the point? And I think when you get to that, it's it's a really similar feeling to burnout. Yeah. So I've been in this, like, in the last, uh, I'd say the last two years, personally, our family went through some pretty traumatic things and I worked like a dog during it. And part of that was, um, honestly a coping mechanism for me sure. and then you know we've kind of come out of what that trauma looked like and uh now I've literally been resting like my brain I haven't really shot very much I'm not working very much like I've literally taken about a six-month hiatus mm. of work compared to what I used to do I'm, st- I'm still active but I'm not really like the same as what I was prior to all of it and so I've really been on the tail end of a burnout, the hard, the worst burnout I've ever been on in my life <sighs> and in my career. And I, you know, honestly, this last six months <clears throat> has allowed me to see that I don't want to quit. So I think the number one thing I think we think about with burnout is like, maybe this isn't right for me anymore. Right. And there's a danger in that because burnout <laughs> isn't the same thing as like tapping out. Right. And we need to just exercise our ability to rest mm-hmm. and understand that actually rest replenishes us and it makes us able to be better. And I think our industry in particular as, you know, entrepreneurs and business owners and, you know, just redundancy there, but you know, we have a hard time taking breaks. Yes. But it's in those breaks that we recharge and we become inspired again. And so in the last, you know, six months that I've really been taking off, I'm getting it back and I'm feeling that inspiration again. And I can't even tell you how happy it makes me because in 11 years of experience with this, like I mentioned, I have had burnout probably at least once a year since I started. It's never been this bad. And normally I get it back a lot faster. Like I can take two weeks, three weeks off and they'll get my inspo back, my, Mm -hmm. you know, go to it, get it, get it done attitude. But it's been six months this round and I'm so relieved to get it back. But the truth is, is, you know, sometimes it can be really, really, really bad, but it doesn't mean we have to tap out. So there's a difference between burnout and tap out. Oh, 100%. I, I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, so Sarah and I do a lot of uh, one-on-one mentoring and, you know, every once in a while we'll have uh, one of our mentees go like, I just need a break. Like, I'm just not feeling it right now. And hell yeah, take a break. I think that that's so important and such a good thing 
to reference here is that that's not the equivalent of quitting. Taking a no doesn't. Mean- and you know, it's been interesting for me in the last because I this you know it's been in the, about the last month. I'd say I've been getting my mojo back. Yeah, uh, and I'm almost refocusing now. Like it's really shifting what I want to be doing, right. and in the same realm of what I've been doing, but you know, more focused on on what art the artistry is rather than what the business is. So I think it's also a really healthy tool um, to refocus. 100%. And to kind of reorganize, I I always say this, and I know I chit-chatted with you a little bit about this earlier. When I first started my photography business, not even Unraveled or any other entity, just my solo photography business in 2014, my ex-husband did not want it. He did not want any part of it. It was not going to be something we were going to do. It was the wrong time. It was too much work. Not going to happen. So I built my business while I was working a full-time job, full-time momming, two babies, and I did it all while everybody was sleeping. <laughs> so that, wow. you know, and and I don't, you know, think that that's the path, right? Because it was really hard. Yeah. Um, and I, there was days where, because I was working night shift in the, in the ER um, as a nurse, and then you know, building my business anytime I could. I was, you know, answering client emails while I was grocery shopping with my kids or um, staying up all night on the nights that I was off editing and learning and trying to make this thing happen. And all in an effort to make it have the least amount of impact on my family as possible so I didn't have to feel guilty that it was something I was doing. Um, And that, I I was hungry, I was on fire, but two years of that and I burned out. I burned out of all of it. And so then you have to, I, I agree with you, you have to take a moment and be like, okay, what changes can I make here? And the biggest yeah, change yeah. I made was demand, not demanding, that sounds like really bad, but but owning that you are a creative entrepreneur, saying this is my job, and then setting aside time to do that job. You know, Sarah and I preach about dedicated office hours so much. And then when those office yeah. hours are over, being present with your family and yourself. Yes, having the time off. And that alone has prevented me having that type of burnout since then. I mean, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do it. I don't, I, the, the level of overwhelm, I was like, the level yeah. of anxiety. I know you felt it too. Like, I don't oh, have yeah. any seconds in the day to do everything I need to do for all these human beings. <laughs> totally. I mean, I started out similar to you where my husband was like, <clears throat> he didn't really acknowledge photography isn't a viable option right actually for a, a you know a position of work for me so I, I did it slowly um, in the realm of there was no risks so apart from purchasing a camera which I thought I could use anyways even if you know the business didn't turn out but I was working full-time while I started it and I was just really lucky that it you know took off within 12 months so I cut back my hours and eventually my husband saw it grew grow mm-hmm. and he to this day you know I kind of joke with him. I'm like, you, you know, you you never believed in me, but here we are. And he says it all the time. He's like, yeah, you know, you're right. And I should have believed in you from the beginning. But <laughs> oh I think gosh, the, the biggest challenge, you know, with spousal stuff, because I do think that that can, you know, add a lot to this burnout feeling. Mm-hmm. The biggest challenge with spouses who don't support your work or have doubt in it is it's they're most likely not artists themselves. Yeah. Right. And it's really hard for a mind that isn't artistic to right. reason with, art being a career because I think we have seen historically speaking artists are, are, are kind of devalued in society. Um, and I think that has a huge part of it depending on, you know, the, the type of person you marry. So 
anyhow, yeah, I, I definitely, I did the same sort of thing and I, I struggled a lot with burnout. And then, then the thing is, it's not even just the amount of work you're putting into it. It's also the pushback, yes. you know, the pushback that you receive. Like once I went to court for, from a client who tried to sue me and she didn't, she didn't win, but the pushback from that, like just the concept that I could go to court over nothing right? and the emotional energy that that yes. took away from me and, and I couldn't sleep and you know, blah, 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 blah. I, I mean, I just thought, what am I doing? Like nothing is worth feeling like this. Right. Nothing. Right. You know, and I was lucky actually that my husband made me persist, my husband and my family. But, you know, he was one of my cheerleaders during that. He goes, you can't quit just because you have some pushback here, Trish. Right. And I was glad he said it because honest to God, Colleen, I wanted to quit. I was never closer to quitting than right then. Wow. And it was at the very beginning of my career. And, you know, there's just, there's no, there's no sicker feeling than when someone comes at you and attacks you personally like that. Oh, that's so anyway, that's kind of, you know, it's not totally on topic with burnout, but it's still a, a part of it. I think oh it gosh. You know, you can easily well, feel that when we receive that pushback. Oh, 100%. And it's all part and partial to that. You're the boss. So the, the buck ends with you. And yeah. just, just that, like the first sentence of that email popping up of like, we have an issue here or some, some, oh, yeah. you know, client that's unhappy and your just heart just sinks to your toes and you're like, Oh my gosh. And you're the only person who can deal with all of it. Exactly. Yeah. There's yeah. no company to fall back on. Right. Like it's right. literally like she, when I went to court, she didn't sue, you know, Trisha, Vita Trisha Victoria photography. She true. She sued Trisha Victoria, the person. Holy. And you know, like that was, that was the hardest part of it for me. It was like, there was no, there was no like, you know, brand. Right. To, to, push that onto it was no it was literally me it was all on me so emotionally I carried the tremendous weight of that and I think even if you have a brand like let's say you're incorporated and you run a huge company you know with millions or hundreds of employees or something like that you know you're still probably going to feel the weight of what a court case would be regardless but oh, absolutely you know, I just think absolutely. it's exacerbated if you're the only person that you know runs your company anyway yes oh my gosh and I'm dying to know what she was trying to sue you for Oh, she was so unreasonable. It was like they didn't. She didn't even make it past mediation. She she tried to two and a half times the amount that she paid. And anyways, it was oh it was a very God. unreasonable. Case. And honestly, I, it was a big learning curve for me. I'll be perfectly honest. I was very you know green in the industry when this happened. It was my second year in, and communication wasn't something I understood as well as I do now. Sure. And uh, just as a side tip, in my opinion, in my personal experience, if there's ever a problem with a client and they're emailing you about their photos, you know, say, saying that they're unhappy, you need to just get on the phone. It's yeah. not worth having the conversation go back and forth via email about, you know, this or that. There's, there's, there's a, you know, a huge merit to having it in writing, like after you're done your conversation to just, you know, reiterate something in writing and then send it off. Right. Uh, but honestly, people act differently on their keyboard than they do um, verbally to you or face to face. So oh, on the phone with her prior to all of this, I probably could have just solved it over the phone. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Because so how many times have you had a nasty or you thought a perceived nasty text back and forth and then you get on the phone and they're like, oh no, but you know, everything's okay. And I'm like, oh, that's not how it sounded. <laughs> so I think you can really diffuse the situation a lot easier when there's a, you know, a verbal conversation rather than a written one. Right. So, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And I, yeah, it sucks, but it, it was like a huge learning curve for me. Yeah. So I think in a lot of ways, I'm really grateful for it. And, um, sure. you know, it, it is what it is. So I learned a lot. Well, and it made <laughs> you a better teacher. Too. Like, right. What's that? 
I said, made you a better teacher too, because you do preach on, and you are excellent at good communication. And that's so key when you're running a business and yeah. when you're dealing with people on a daily basis, on a human level, um, yeah. especially when there's any sort of emotional charge, especially with like a wedding or a newborn or whatever it might be to have that good communication because they're already emotionally charged and stressed from other things, you know? That's exactly right. Yeah. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's a good segue um, into what we want to talk about next, which is, I know we talked about social media and how people are so different, you know, on social media than in person sometimes, but we are always, every day we're inundated with tons of images and, and tons of content with written or otherwise. Um, and we're putting our work out there. And how do you, how do you think the burnout can be facilitated by this need to be rewarded and validated by our work constantly in this, this social media age? So, you know, it's something I've really been meditating on um, the last six months, ruminating on, I should say, maybe not meditating, but this concept of like the millennial generation and what it is to, you know, work in the generation that we have um, as millennials. I'm a millennial. I mean, I know there's a lot, a lot of people who aren't millennials, but I think, you know, artistically, this is probably pretty true for most artists. Mm -hmm. And even just in our day and age, I think we have this pressure over us to constantly love what we're doing. Right. So, you know, I grew up on this saying, you know, if you love what you're doing, you're never going to work a day in your life. Right. Okay, so, and I, and I do agree, like, listen, I love my job, but there are parts of my job and there are times in my job where I hate it. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I hate it. So yes, while I'm like, I'll be, so this is a vulnerability for me. Like I'm good at communicating when there's a problem, but for the most part, like I suck with my emails. So if I have a client who's emailing me, like all, this is like where my weakest point is in my job is the administration. So I'm, I'm terrible at it and I hate it. I hate administration. I'm, con I'm actually considering hiring someone to do it for me because I'm so bad mm. at it. Um, <laughs> but you know, with this, this whole topic here of, the millennial generation and the reward, you know, it's okay to recognize that you don't always have to be rewarded in what you're doing. There is an aspect of taking work that you may not necessarily like to take because it pays for the roof over your head and food on your table and clothes on your back. Right. And I think we've lost sight of this. You know, I was talking to my husband with this actually yesterday. Our parents, you know, the baby boomer generation and, and after, you know, they, these are people who picked a career when they were 20 and they stayed in it their whole lives. And I'm not saying, you know, you have to do that, but there is something to be said of those people. You know, they were able to be okay in their jobs for that long. Right. They were able to look past the dissatisfaction of the ugly parts of their jobs, mm -hmm. you know, to take the, the, the fruit from what it was worth, where right. it's, hey, you know what? I may not necessarily quote unquote love what I do, but it's supporting my family, but it's taking care of our necessities, but it's doing X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And I look at our job and I think, you know, people say, oh, you know, what do you do, Trish? And I'm like, oh, I'm a photographer. They're like, oh, that's so glamorous. You get to travel the world and, you know, you know, take pictures of cool things. And yeah, I do. I get to do some great things. And then I also have to do some not so great things and take some work that doesn't necessarily inspire. And people think that your work is so glamorous when, you know, I think a lot of photographers will say this is true of them. Like, let's say that they were hobbyists before they turned mm. their hobby into a career, but their passion has definitely been affect affected yes. when they turn their passion into a job. Oh. And you cannot 
have the same feeling for something when it becomes work. So you're not able to even have full control over what you're shooting because you're having, you know, to maintain the expectations of your client. Mm -hmm. So being okay with that, recognizing that, hey, you know what? That's all right that I don't love 100% of what I'm doing. Right. That's okay that I may not necessarily love this photo shoot. And, right. and being okay with it instead that's saying, it's supporting my business, it's supporting my life, mm -hmm. and it's supporting, you know, whatever it is that, you know, your, your job is supporting you for. Right. It's, it's, it's looking at that and saying to yourself, you know, stop focusing on this, this myth that everything you do needs to just satisfy you 100%. Because let me tell you, there is not a single job in the universe that right. can do that. None. There is no job ever. Look at even famous people. This is yeah. like a bit of a, you know, a seg, not a seg, uh, just a little bit of a ramp here because they're not exactly like the same thing as photographers here. But, you know, a celebrity. Mm -hmm. with their youth. If you watch interviews like a Britney Spears, let's just say, when she was in the, you know, the very beginning of her career, she was light. She was bubbly. She was excited. She was X, Y, and Z. You know, she was all these quote unquote good things. And if you look at her today, in my mind and in what I've observed, you know, she's not the same person. It's like she's heavier now. Right. You know, something shifted because what you thought was great and would be great and satisfy you fully, it's always a little disappointing when you realize it won't. Right. You know, nothing in this world is ever going to make you that satisfied. And so I think when we look at it, the situation and say, okay, I don't necessarily have to come out of this feeling 100% happy with what I'm doing as long as I recognize what it's doing for me. And listen, this is what I always come back to. I may not love 100% of my job, but I would way rather do my job than work in a cubicle and take calls at a call center, which yeah. is what I was doing prior to this. So, yeah. you know, look at what it's good for rather than, you know, what it's not good for. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Ah, I applaud that so much. I There's so many things there with the switching your passion into, um, you know, an income, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert talked about this so well in that it will affect your creativity. There's no way it won't. Oh, yeah. Right. And that 100%. you have to kind of find that balance for yourself so that you still have time to be creative and, but know that having to make money off of your creative endeavor will squash your creativity at some oh. level. Yeah. I, and I think, think that that's know. where personal projects come into play and yeah. time off comes into play and, you know, really like going back to the root of why you began. Like for me, it's my kids, you know, um, there will be a month that goes by where I'm like, oh, I don't think I photographed them very much this month. And I'll be, and I have to remind myself, be like, why am I even doing this? Like, what is the, what, where did I start? I started yeah. to document our lives, period. That was it. Ooh. And if I'm still doing that, then I'm so happy and fulfilled. And yeah, I agree with you. I've taken jobs, oh girl, I have taken some jobs where I was like, okay, that was horrible, but guess what? My light bill is paid. And exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like looking at it like it's a short-term pain. Yeah, and it's fine. But I also come from a space where I, I come from a blue-collar mentality, truly, mm -hmm. where you punch in, you do your job, you punch out, you go have a beer and talk about how bad that sucked. Like that's where that was my base in my childhood, truly. And that's yeah. where I where I ended up in my early adulthood as you know, working as a nurse. I was a PCT before that, making, you know, minimum wage and and having to bartend on the side just to make it. So like my mindset started there, which I'm very grateful for. And 
leaving work at work was easy because you didn't like your work, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I can do that. I can switch it back and forth when I have to take a job that I'm like, eh, well, you know, that's not exactly what I wanted, but all right. I yeah. can switch it off and I think of it in that terms. Like I'm clocking in, I'm doing my best because that's I'm, yeah. everything I do. I'm going to do my best at And then I'm done. I send off that gallery and next. Clock out is really hard to do. I feel like as an entrepreneur, like I don't think yes. I ever really fully clock out, you know, and, but you know, it's even just touching on the personal projects thing again. I think there's also even, you have to be so careful with that because this is another thing I was ch- chatting with my husband about yesterday. One of the things I, I realized, and I'm, I was guilty of this. I'm not anymore um, when I re- really realized this, but I think with this personal projects things and with the social media and the burnout, I think a huge thing we started seeing people do was, okay, well, let's just talk about experiences. So like, let's say, you know, we want to travel somewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, the motive for the reason we want to travel, like our motivation to go somewhere wasn't necessarily to experience the place that we were going to. It was actually to take a photo of it. It was like, um, oh, I want to book that client because they're hot and they're going to look good in my portfolio. <laughs> I want to go to that place because I can take a really good picture for Instagram. And, you know, I, honest to God, was guilty of doing this. So, you know, I I noticed that I'd be like, I want to go to this spot in the mountains because I want to make sure I can get a good picture of Austin there so that I can use it for the gram. Right. I was almost exploiting my own truth. You were dropping some truth on everybody. Yeah. Like, I was exploiting my kid and I was exploiting my experience because I wasn't there authentically. I was there out of a motive for what? Like a 10 second hit on Instagram. Right. And I think, you know, like the personal project thing is so important that you look at what the motive is. Like, look at your motive for what you're doing, making sure that it's not something that's like, oh, gosh, I just want to, you know, um, <laughs> grow my Instagram following. Right. You know, the, the most successful artists in the world, the most inspiring artists in the world all across the board here. I'm not just talking about photographers. They're the ones who don't give a shit about yep. what people think. They don't. They don't, and they, they just don't. do them first. Yeah, first. and I think that that's so key. Oh my gosh, I love that. How can we put that into like a slogan? Like, go to the place first. Take your camera with you if you take a picture. That's cool, but don't set up a shot on vacation. <laughs> it's like check your motive. Like, you yes, know, you yes. know, like and, and we, we travel. Like our family, we're really fortunate. We travel a lot, and. Um, you know, like we just got back from Florida literally yesterday and my husband commented yesterday, he goes, you know, you didn't take very many pictures on this trip compared to what I normally do. Sure. And I kind of chuckled. I said, yeah, because now my motive for taking pictures of my kid isn't necessarily like, oh, this would be really great on the gram. And, and, and I'm not always guilty of doing that. I haven't always been guilty of doing that, but it was always in the back of my brain. Right. Um, but now, you know, my motive is for the wall. It's like, is this picture going to be good for the wall? Yeah. And I only put up. I, I will probably 70 photos. I probably have 70 photos hanging on my wall. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's really like I'm looking for 70 pictures from an entire 12 month period of my kid and my family. And I'm no longer looking for that photo of the gram. And so the motive is way more pure and yes. it's way more, I'm looking from way more authentic moments now. And it's totally shifted how mm-hmm. I take my pictures. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. I, I remember when I was first starting, cause I felt like I got really lucky um, after I had this realization kind of early, but I remember when I was first starting and I was you know, doing a similar thing while I was replicating stuff, mostly off Pinterest when I was first starting. Um, I wasn't on Instagram yet, 
But I would look at a Pinterest picture and I would try to replicate that with my then daughter because it was right before um, I had yeah. my son. And I it would never turn out, obviously. And I would always be upset and I would be so hard on myself and I would be like, oh my gosh, why can't I make this look like theirs? And it started me on this journey where I remember this one time <laughs> in particular, I was pregnant with my son and my daughter was one. And I made this sign, right? I made this sign and I wanted to do this picture that I saw on Pinterest. And I set up my timer and my camera and everything was going to be perfect. And I got all cute. And I stressed over what I was going to wear and I stressed over what she was going to wear because I wanted it to look like this, this Pinterest picture. And yeah. I got her ready and she was going to hold this sign and it was going to be so fucking adorable, right? Well, she was going <laughs> to hold this sign, my one-year-old. And she wouldn't do it. Just when I was like, She'd drop it. I started crying. I'm pregnant. <laughs> I started crying. Then she's crying. And I'm like, why won't you just take this picture to a one-year-old? And yeah. it was at that moment I realized, I was like, what am I doing? I'm like, what is all this? Like, is this does this happen to everybody? Like, are these people and behind these pictures not really happy? Are they, is everybody crying? Like, is this the real thing? And <laughs> But it got me thinking really early before I was any good at all about what it all meant what it all meant to me. And the biggest thing for me was what was happening behind the frame, like with us as a family unit. I really wanted my kids to enjoy this experience because I loved it so much. And I was like, I want to document your lives, but I don't want to do it at the cost of making everybody cry. And that's when I shifted my mentality about how I was going to photograph my family. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I think, you know, like I look at, cause we're, we're, Austin's an only child. And I look at a lot of the photos I get to take of him where it's, it's harder for me because you know, a lot of the best family portraits are when kids are interacting together because it's, uh, you know, candid. Right. And so much of the moments I have with my son, it's, it's, you know, very posed. And I'm like, look at the camera, smile, laugh, <laughs> la, 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 or whatever I'm saying to do. Right. It takes away the authenticity and it's the struggle, the re- like wrestling to get it. And, and then I feel bad because he's mad and then he needs <laughs> the camera and, you know, it's sure. all these things. You're like, what is the freaking point? And then you get the, the pictures on your you know, laptop, and you're like, well, these aren't even worth anything. I can't do anything with these. I wouldn't hang them on my wall. I'm not going to post this to social media. Plus, you know, when you post it, it's like, you feel the weight of it. You're like, I made my kid do something that they didn't want to do. Right. Just so that I could get some sort of, you know, this, obviously this is like a parenting thing. If you don't have any kids, this is not going to apply to you, but (laughs) it's forcing your life to look like something it isn't. For sure. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, that's another reason I stopped taking so many pictures. I used to take probably no no joke, a hundred thousand pictures a year of my kid. Oh my that's God. not yes. at all a sarcastic yeah. number. I believe and now I'm probably about six thousand. Mm. No joke, from a hundred thousand yeah. to six thousand. But you know what that you know what that is though. That's quality over quantity, and I don't just mean quality yeah. of the actual image in regards to aesthetics and composition and stuff like that. I'm talking about what it meant in the experience. Because for me, like I was saying before, it's all about the experience and, and how I felt in the moment we were taking that picture. Because like they say, they'll forget what you say, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And I 100% believe that because uh, we had this family shoot. Um, so when I was still married, this was a long time ago. Um, we had this family session and it was up north of us. It was going to be beautiful. It was going to be in the snow. I got my daughter and my hair done and we got makeup done. It was so fun. We were doing this thing. It was a trade-off between another local photographer and I. So I was really excited because she's super talented. And at the time I was like, I don't know how good I am, but like we're doing this trade. It's going to be fantastic. And then on the way up, my ex-husband decided to pick a huge fight with me about the fact that I got my hair and makeup done and that was expensive. 
And even though it was my own money and I was crying and I was like, please, let's not fight. Like we're almost there. We, we got to be there in 20 minutes. Like I want this to be a beautiful experience. Right. And we just, it just didn't happen. And so while I still have those pictures of us smiling and laughing, I forget what, yeah. Can't forget that horrible day. It was so horrible. And so even when I framed a big picture of us all looking at the camera and smiling and put it up in our house, every time I walked past that, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> because you can't, yeah, you can't you forget can't how forget. You don't the forget. The best pictures are like where it's like a genuine moment of like pure happiness or like mm -hmm. absolute, I want to say candidity, but that's not a word. But like, <laughs> you know, like pure candid moment there. Like yeah. those are the best. Best 100% images are those. I agree. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So if you could leave everybody here with some advice on how to prevent burnout, what would it be? Oh guys, you need to rest. So I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a Bible pusher, but you know, there's this concept in the Bible that talks about a Sabbath day. And so that's the seventh day of the week. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's so interesting to me because I've grown up, I've been a Christian my whole life and this concept of what the Sabbath is, I always thought it was really for God. So I thought, you know, you, you take the seventh day off to just honor God. And in that day, you do nothing. Right. Technically speaking, you're not supposed to cook. But, you know, we live in 2019 and it's, we're going to eat. So, right. Um, <laughs> right. you know, and, and we've got convenient things like drive throughs and things like that that weren't available when the Bible was written. But my whole point with all of this is I recently reread the uh, a scripture part of the Bible where you know Jesus he said you know the, he goes the Sabbath isn't actually for God he goes it's for you mm. and it just like hit me like a ton of bricks because the truth is, is we all need rest yeah. and if we can honest to God if we can take out a day of our lives once a week just a day yeah. to spend with your family to spend it on self love to do whatever you want where you literally don't look at a computer where you don't edit where you don't go on your emails where you don't worry about social media. If you can do that, like I'm telling you, this will help prevent that burnout. Most likely you're going to get it anyway, but it will prolong it and it will, you know, or prolong the, the it'll delay the burnout quite a bit. And it will also just do amazing things for you because by Monday morning, let's say you take off Sundays, by Monday morning, you're going to be itching to get back to it. Yeah. And that itching feeling is so good. It's so good. I find when I take a day off, because I do struggle with this, but when I take the day off, I am so much more productive than if I don't. Yeah. If I work seven straight days, it's like I can, I, I, I don't know what it is. It's like I'm just nowhere near as productive as if I just take a single day. Yeah. I'm way more motivated to work hard. So oh. take the day off. That's the best advice I can give for you. Oh my gosh, I Once guess doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do that, Trish. I'm going to. Good. I, and oh. you know, okay, you know what? Test it out. Yeah. Like don't necessarily commit to doing it forever, but test it out. Test this theory out of taking a day off and it. see what it does for you and see what it does for your work. Oh my gosh. All right, everybody. Yeah. That was badass. I, <laughs> I can't even thank you enough for being here and for being yeah. such an amazing, oh, you're just the best. We love you so much. Best. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks for oh. listening to me rant thank about all this. <laughs> Thanks for being here, honey. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. It means so much to us that you're here and we hope you walk away feeling inspired as hell. If you're not already a student in Unraveled Academy, go to www.theunraveledacademy.com. You can also access the link below. Come join us. We have a seat waiting with your name on it.